Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Girlfriend's Guide to Sports podcast. My name is Claire Coles, and this is your weekly update. It's Monday, October 9th. Let's start with what you missed over the last week, then we'll move on to what to watch this upcoming week in the world of sports. All right, y'all. So first of all, cannot believe I still have a voice after Saturday. So super glad so that I can actually still get on and record the podcast today. But as always, we are going to start with the MLB because wildcard games this year were maybe not that wild. All four ended in a sweep, meaning that the team won game one, also won game two. So no game threes were needed at all. So let's go through those four. The Rangers won game one, four to zero, and then game two, seven to one. Just two years after losing 102 games, they move on to the next round of playoffs, upsetting the at one point MLB leading Rays. The Twins end a record 18-game losing streak in the postseason, beating the Blue Jays 3-1 in Game 1 and 2-zip in Game 2. The Minnesota team advances for the first time in 21 years. The Diamondbacks-Brewers series was perhaps the most entertaining as the Arizona team came back from a three-run deficit to win Game 1 despite having less hits like 12 hits versus nine hits. Then they do it again in game two, only having to make up a two run deficit, but the Arizona team upsets the Brewers as well. The Phillies and the Marlins matchup was the only one to not end in a technical upset, quote unquote. The Phillies did have the better record and well, they showed why they beat Miami, the Miami team four to one and seven to one to advance. So we have now officially started the American League Division Series. There are two series in the American League and then two in the National League, starting with the American League. The Rangers continued their momentum from the wildcard game, taking game one over the 101-win Orioles in a close one, 3-2. to two. Game two was also close, but very high scoring. So the exact opposite of game one, the Rangers put up five runs alone in the second inning and they take the win 11 to eight Rangers lead that series two to zero. 
in the other American League Division Series, the Astros leaned on their prodigal son, Verlander, who started the season in New York but came home to H-Town. He held the Twins scoreless before stepping off the mound. Astros take game one, six to four. However, the opposite happened on Sunday. Former Astros turned twin Carlos Correa passed Derek Jeter for the most postseason RBIs in Minnesota's 6-2 to two victory. So now that series is tied 1-1. to one. The Phillies-Brave matchup in the National League Division Series is a rematch. The Braves made two errors in their game Saturday to give the Phillies a 3-0 W. And then today's game, the Braves got revenge, winning in a big comeback, scoring their five runs in the sixth inning or later. The Phillies scored four unanswered runs to start the game, but the Braves fought back to win five to four, including an amazing catch at the wall to deny the Phillies a late ninth inning redemption. That series is tied one-to-one as well. The Diamondbacks came out hot, destroying the L.A. Dodgers 11-2 in Game 1. The Arizona team is currently leading as Game 2 is happening literally right now. They were leading 3-zip early in the game. They are now only leading 4-2. to two. So I will, of course, update you for next week when we do see that, if we will be a 2-0 series or a series tied. Moving along to college football because it was the most wonderful time of the year. It was Red River Rivalry Week. Also, this week happened to be the first week we really have some upsets. So the theme of the week was basically comebacks. But we're going to start with the ranked first ranked matchup and undefeated matchup in the Red River. And I told you I love this game because it is wild and crazy and it certainly lived up to that as per usual. Number three, Texas versus number 11, Oklahoma. As I said, both teams were undefeated, but Oklahoma hadn't lost two OU Texas games in a row since 2009. Like I said, this game was wild. We started with two Texas turnovers and OU goes up early. Then Texas blocks a punt for a touchdown and we're tied. Then we have some back and forth. Sooners up 20 to 17 at half. Then another dream start to a half for the Sooners. They go down and score going up 10 and more importantly, two scores. Then a Texas fumble gives them the ball back. But that's when things start to shift a little bit for the Sooners. OU gets no points there. Texas scores a field goal, and we exchange turnover on downs. Then OU misses a field goal. The kicking game absolutely killed the Sooners all day. They were still up seven with 7.55 to play, but you could definitely feel the momentum shift. Texas only needed five plays to score the next touchdown, and suddenly we're at a tied ball game. Then the Sooners do nothing, go three and out. Texas gets the ball back and gets a field goal, taking one of their first leads of the game. I believe it was their second one, but it felt like their first lead of the game, and it was heartbreaking for the Sooners with only a minute 17 on the clock. Longhorns felt very confident, let me tell you. At this time, it was completely silent on the half that was red in the Cotton Bowl, and the orange side was going crazy, which they hadn't really been doing all game. So Longhorns feel confident for the first time since the Sooners hadn't scored since the first drive of the second half. And all they needed was a field goal to tie it up and to go to overtime. 
But quarterback Dylan Gabriel had other ideas. He throws three straight completions for three straight first downs. His only incomplete pass on the drive would actually draw a PI flag, so a pass interference flag, giving the Sooners a free 15 yards in that penalty. We were first and goal on the six. He runs for half of that. Dylan Gabriel does. Then the next play, he throws it to the back of the end zone to Nick Anderson for the game-winning touchdown. Texas goes down 34-30. We will most likely see these two teams in the in the Big 12 championship game for a rematch, and literally every podcast um, ESPN show was like, I can't wait for that rematch. Um, so it ought to be an amazing game. Number 10, Notre Dame's schedule did finally catch up with them. They have played three ranked opponents in a row, like week after week, and that eventually does take a toll. They already lost to Ohio State in a last-second touchdown. This time, it was not that close. So newly ranked number 25, Louisville, had a great second half, scoring 26 of their 33 points. The Fighting Irish lose by 13 points. Number 13, Washington State takes their first loss of the season in a UCLA comeback. Their defense won them this game. Wazoo also had four turnovers, which doesn't help. They actually had three alone in the first half. The Bruins scored 13 points in the final quarter to win 25-17. Y'all, this next game, I can't, I can't even. <laughs> Number 17, Miami played Georgia Tech, who literally got beat by Bowling Green last week, which is so not a good look for the ACC. But the Hornets still had some fight left in them, and Miami had all but won the game. Let me run this back for you. The Canes were winning 20 to 17 with only 33 seconds left on the clock, which means you should kneel the ball and get in victory formation, kneel the ball, and let time expire. It takes 45 seconds for that play to run off the clock. You would get to do that, and you would win, go home, and stay undefeated. However, for some reason, head coach Mario Cristobal had Miami snap it and then fight for yards. Then the running back fumbles the ball. Georgia Tech falls on it, so Hornets get the ball. Georgia Tech quarterback Haynes King then needed four plays and really only two successful ones to go down 74 yards and they score a touchdown with just two seconds left to go in the game. Stunning the Canes. Canes go down 23-20. Also, if you're like, hey, wait, hold on. There were two more seconds. What did the Canes do with that? They threw the ball four yards and then fumbled again. So insult to injury, really, it didn't matter. It was a huge mistake to not take the knee. From what I've heard from the rumor mill today on Monday, it was it was that they were trying to get that running back into the 100 yards. He had never had a 100-yard gain game, um, and he had just come back from injury, so they were trying to get him that. But that's all just rumor mill. That is not something the head coach discussed. Absolutely a huge mistake by Miami there. Number one, Georgia finally looked like the Georgia we all know and hate to see. They went up on Kentucky, number 21, Kentucky early, and then never gave the game back. This was the most points Kentucky has, al has allowed since 2020. Dogs win 51-13. 
And then number 23, LSU looked to be in trouble early, trailing 22 to seven in the second quarter to undefeated number 21, Mizzou. But man, they rallied with the D only giving away 14 points in the entire second half and the offense doing its job. And by that, I really mean quarterback Jaden Daniels scoring 22 points in the final quarter alone. LSU escapes losing back to back games and handing Mizzou their first loss, 49-39. And finally, number 24, Fresno State traveled to Laramie to play unranked Wyoming. We had already seen one epic battle in Wyoming. Why not another one? But in this one, we're just going to settle for an upset because Fresno State had the second longest winning streak active in the league at 14 games until they faced Wyoming. That means the Bulldogs hadn't lost since October 22nd of 2022. The Cowboys win 24-19. Wyoming did all of their work in the first half, scoring all 24 points needed and just held on for the rest of the game. Other major storylines from the week. Number three, Ohio State struggled early again, this time to unranked but undefeated Maryland. They were down 10 to zip at one point, but came back to tie the ball game. And in the, in the second half, it was all Buckeyes. So they do win 37-17, but still not quite looking as impressive as I think we would expect from number three in the country. Number nine, USC escapes again, and this time in third overtime against Arizona. Arizona led 17 to zero in the second quarter. Then USC turned it on, and you were like, okay, now we're back to normal. But no, the Wildcats hung around and kept giving the Trojans some trouble, tying the game with eight minutes left. Then USC missed a game-winning 25-yard field goal, so we go to overtime. Both teams score in the first overtime, so we go again. Both teams score again in the second overtime, so we line up again. In third overtime, USC does this odd swinging gate play. So it's basically where they have a bunch of the offensive linemen on the left side of the field. They literally had Caleb Williams just one-on-one in the middle and a couple guys to the right that he could pass to. And what do you do when you have the reigning Heisman trophy winner you give the ball to your best player and put it in his hands to make a decision so of course Caleb Williams comes up big and then the D does their job and they do escape to remain undefeated number 11 Alabama looks as if they might have found something which is dangerous for the rest of us quarterback Milrow and wide receiver Burton were a lethal combo against Texas A&M the Aggies kind of shot themselves in a foot a couple of times even giving Alabama a safety in the fourth quarter the tide rolls 26 20 but typically the Aggies tend to give Alabama quite a run for their money but let's just say not this time Number 14, UNC destroyed Syracuse 40-7 to to hand them their second loss of the season and their second loss in the ACC. Arkansas continues to play good teams close. This week, they kept number 16, Ole Miss, honest, only losing to them by a touchdown. Kansas State played Oklahoma State in a blackout Friday night game, and it was a good one. Well, we'll say a close one. Both teams struggled at the end to do anything, but the Cowboys come up big with an upset 29-21. Also on Friday, Nebraska won. They beat up on Illinois 20-7. Yikes for the fighting Illini. Also, NC State barely beat an undefeated Marshall team at home. That does not bode well for them for the rest of the season as they still have good ACC opponents left. And then Colorado got their first Pac-12 win, beating Arizona State Sun Devils 27-24. 
in the top 25 this week, Oklahoma jumped to number five. Not a huge surprise there after the big win this week. Texas fell to number nine. USC does get punished for another close win following one spot. Should have been more, in my opinion, because Arizona is not known to be a great team, but whatever. Louisville shot up 11 points while Notre Dame fell 11 spots, not points. They are now the highest ranked two-loss team at number 21. LSU is right behind them, also with two losses at number 22. Tennessee and Wazoo are tied at number 19. Kentucky is still ranked after their beat down by Georgia, and yet so is Miami. Kansas is the only new addition this week coming in at number 23. And oh man, I am excited to bring you this news because wide receiver for UNC, Tez Walker, the transfer from Kent State, who obviously, like I said, is just now playing for UNC, finally got released to play by the NCAA. He didn't start against Syracuse, but he did play and got six catches. The NCAA claimed that they had new evidence, but we don't really know what that means. Glad that glad to see that this poor kid finally gets to see the field. So congrats to Tez Walker. And it was a heartwarming moment to watch Mac Brown give him that news. Moving along to the NFL. So this week, we're going to start with Thursday Night Football because it was, frankly, a total shock. The Bears get a huge win as quarterback Justin Fields goes off, being responsible for four touchdowns in their 40-20 to 20 win over the Commanders. It was their first win of the entire season. Only five games this week were close within a touchdown. The Jags beat the Bills 25-20 in London in early morning time for us. The Falcons scored 14 points in the fourth quarter to come back to win with a walk-off field goal to beat the gaining momentum Texans by two. The Steelers bounced back from last week's loss to beat the Ravens late 17-10 with a big performance by T.J. Watt. Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow looked much more like himself this week, throwing three touchdowns and over 300 yards passing to take his team to a W over the Cardinals, 34-20. to The Broncos-Jets game came down to a showdown of literally quarterbacks with the last name of Wilson. Jets' Zach Wilson got the last laugh, getting the victory 31-21, to however. Belichick, the Patriots head coach, took another painful loss and just cannot seem to get his offense to do anything. The Patriots got shut out by the Saints 34-0 to and quarterback Mac Jones got benched. The Panthers remain winless and are now the last team to get a W in the league. They lost this week to the Lions, 42-24. to Bryce Young, their quarterback, struggled throwing three touchdowns but two interceptions. The Eagles remain undefeated, but it was a close one. They beat the Rams 23-14 with an impressive defensive performance. Travis Kelsey, who of course I can't go a week without talking about because all you Swifties will be like, what? Travis Kelsey went out of the game with an ankle injury, but came back and caught a touchdown pass. So the Chiefs win 27-20 over the Vikings. And the 49ers showed why they deserve to still be undefeated, destroying the Cowboys 42-10, who seemed to be gaining momentum and kind of talking some smack. Not after that week. 
Colts running back Jonathan Taylor signed a three-year, $42 million deal with the Indianapolis team. Remember, there was a couple weeks ago that we had talked about running backs who don't seem to get the same caliber of deals as other positions, but are still very integral to the game. So this was a nice actual fix of that, and it was due to the fact that the running backs that like literally the running backs got the Colts their win this weekend over the Titans on Sunday, 23 to 16 with a combination of Taylor and their other, which is Randy Moss's son. Actually, the PGA tour was in action this week and I'm not going to lie. I turned off the Sanderson farms on Sunday as Bren Gri- Ben Griffin was up three shots to start the day and then was still up two shots in the final three holes. And he had gone 44 holes without a bogey at one point. So I turned it off. However, he ultimately fell apart. He missed an eight-foot par putt to take the tournament to a five-man playoff. Those five men were Luke List, Ludwig Auberg, Henrik Norlander, Scott Stallings, and, of course, Ben Griffin, who all then had to play the par for 18 again. List had literally already given away his hat after he missed a 10-foot birdie putt on 18 and then had to keep playing. Three of the men were going for their debut PGA Tour win. List was not one of them, and it showed. List nailed a around 45-foot birdie putt to put all the competition away in just the first playoff hole, claiming his second PGA Tour title. This week, I actually have some motorsports news as well, as we still have five full Grand Prix left in the F1 season and some sprint rounds too, but Red Bull's Max Verstappen has already locked up the championship after the sprint race on Saturday this week in Qatar's GP. Oh, and that also then he went on to win on Sunday anyway, just for good measure. So the Qatar GP was his 14th win of the season, just one win shy of his record 15, which was set last year. He's got five rounds still to do it. Also, Red Bull already won the Manufacturers Championship last Grand Prix. So to say it was kind of a ho-hum season would be putting it mildly, frankly. Moving along to Olympic news, and we're going to start with gymnastics world championships. Biles already, Simone Biles, obviously, breaking more barriers this weekend. It was truly official. She is officially the most decorated gymnast in history, winning her sixth all-around gold easily, 10 years after she won her first world championship title in actually the same city. So kind of nicely full circle there. As a reminder, she only returned to the sport about three months ago and has already catapulted or vaulted herself to the top once again. She won the all-around by more than a point and a half over Brazil's Rebecca Andrade. Don't feel too bad for Andrade, though, as she took gold away from Biles on the vault. Biles did fall on her Yurchenko double pike, thus relinquishing her 22nd world title to the Brazilian. However, Biles also won gold in beam and floor, so that actually puts her total world world championship titles to 23. Uneven bars had the worst quote-unquote finish for the United States women with Shelley's Jones getting bronze. Oh, and also on night one of finals, Team USA took home their seventh straight world championship gold, something no team has done before, and they did it in dominant fashion. The men's side also had something to celebrate as well. Team USA took home bronze, ending their 20-plus year world medal drought. Japan and China took gold and silver, respectively. 
American Fred Richard took bronze in the all-around, sneaking in behind a Ukrainian, but before a Japanese gymnast. Koi Young took silver on the pommel horse, which is known to be the American men's weakest apparatus. He would also take second on vault, so he goes home with two silvers and a bronze. Overall, a good showing for Team USA, both on the men's side and the women's side, before the Paris Olympics. And then Kenyans Kelvin Kiptum broke the men's marathon world record in Chicago over the weekend, breaking Chipogi's mark by 30 seconds. The new world record is two hours and 35 seconds. So we are so close to a sub two hour marathon, y'all. Remember that it actually, what we did actually hit the sub two hour, but it was not on a legal track. There were machines kind of helping him pace. And there was also like basically machines delivering water that would like not involve him stopping. So technically that does not count, but we're getting closer and closer before we finally see that on a like valid race course. And then also watch out y'all flag football looks to be on the ballot for the LA 2028 Olympic games. Swifties use your new power because also on the LA proposal is baseball, softball, lacrosse, squash, and cricket. Flag football does already exist in the world games in, in the last world games, the United States men took home gold while the women took home silver. Adding these also means subtracting others. So let's go over who didn't make the ballot or at least isn't on the ballot. Breakdancing by Paris. You kind of chose that one off for one Olympic Games. Any motorsports, kickboxing and karate seems to be getting cut. This also involvement of so many um team sports will also hurt the number of disciplines in other sports as well because you're adding so many team sports that's going to add so many athletes and there is actually a athlete max at the summer olympics at 10,500 so something else to watch out for we should be hearing the verdict on the ballot over the next week or so that wraps up what happened over the last week now let's go over what to watch this upcoming week in the world of sports And as I just kind of mentioned, we are in the middle of the American and National League Division Series. So we have Game 3, because Game 2 is literally going on right now, so I won't bother. So Game 3 on Tuesday, Astros at the Twins at 3.07 on Fox. Then same American League, uh, Game 3, Orioles at the Rangers at 7.03 on Fox as well. Wednesday, we have a a full lineup of four games. So in the American League, game four, Astros at the Twins at 107 on Fox Sports 1. The National League, game three, Braves at the Phillies at 4.07 p.m. on TBS. American League, game four, Orioles at the Rangers at 6.07 p.m. on Fox Sports 1, if it's needed. And then the National League Division Champion or Division Series Game 3, Dodgers at the Diamondbacks at 8.07 p.m. on TBS. Thursday, you have the catch-up game for the National League Game 4s. Braves at the Phillies at 5.07 on TBS. And the Dodgers at the Diamondbacks at 8.07 on TBS. Then we have only, if necessary, games left for the weekend. So Friday, American League Game 5s, if we need them, the Twins at the Astros at 3.07 and the Rangers at the Orioles at 7.03, all on Fox Sports 1. Saturday for the National League Game 5s, Philly at the Braves at 5.07 and the Diamondbacks at the Dodgers at 8.20, all on TBS. Sunday, we will see our first 
championship series game with the American League series game one. Obviously, teams are to be announced. For this week in college football, there are actually seven top 25 games. So sorry, I was super indecisive because we all the lines are four points or under and they involve like recently ranked teams and kind of close games like that. So it's going to be an awesome weekend to watch some college football. Starting with our game day game of the of the week is number eight, Oregon visiting number seven, Washington. Both teams are undefeated. It is going to be absolutely amazing. Most likely we will, in, in my opinion, we will see these two in the Pac-12 championship game. Personally, I don't think USC's defense is going to hold up. So these are kind of my two that I see kind of battling it out for the Pac-12. So this huge matchup will be at 2.30 on Saturday on ABC. Washington is favored by two and a half. Texas A&M plays at number 19 Tennessee on Saturday, also at 2.30 on CBS. Tennessee is favored by three and a half. The other big game of the week that I thought we might lose game day to is number 10 USC visiting number 21 Notre Dame. Let's see if Notre Dame can bounce back after their loss to Louisville. This is, again, their fourth week in a row of playing ranked teams. That game will go at 6.30 p.m. on NBC. Notre Dame is favored by two and a half. I actually had to double check that because I wasn't sure that that was right, but it is. After that, we've got number 25, Miami, playing at number 12, UNC. Can't believe Miami's still ranked, but they didn't ask me. They also play at 6.30 on ABC. UNC Tar Heels favored by three and a half. The newly unranked Mizzou will play the beat-up on number 24, Kentucky, also at 6.30 on SEC. Kentucky favored by 2.5. Unranked NC State will play number 17, Duke, without their starting quarterback. At least we think he is questionable, but I doubt, he's more like doubtful than questionable. That game will be at 7 on ACC Network. The Duke Blue Devils favored by 3.5. And, and then number 18, UCLA, plays number 15, Oregon State, at 7 p.m. on Fox, and Oregon State is favored by four. Moving along to our NFL schedule right now on Monday Night Football, we've got the Packers at the Raiders at 7.15. That is currently on ABC or ESPN. Thursday Night Football, catch the Broncos at the Chiefs at 7.15 on Prime. This week, Taylor Swift was not in Minnesota for the Vikings game. TBD if she will be in Kansas City for that game. It will only be on Prime, so watch out and see if Amazon Prime memberships go up quite a bit before Thursday night. Sunday begins bright and early because we have another game in London across the pond. We have the Ravens taking on the Titans at 8.30 a.m. That will be on NFL Network only. Then we have seven games at noon on CBS or Fox. The CBS games are the Commanders at the Falcons, the Seahawks at the Bengals, the Panthers at the Dolphins, or the Colts at the Jags. And then the Fox games are the Vikings at the Bears, the 49ers at the Browns, or the Saints at the Texans. You can then catch the Patriots at the Raiders at 3.05 on CBS. There's then three games, according to your geographical location, at 3.25 on Fox. Those games are the Cardinals at the Rams, the Eagles at the Jets, and the Lions at the Bucks. Sunday Night Football will be the Giants at the Bills at 7.20 on NBC. And then next Monday, the Cowboys take on the Chargers at 7.15. You can catch that on ABC or ESPN. 
In the golf world, we do have the PGA Tour back in action again on Thursday with the Shriners Open. That round one will be at 4 p.m. on Golf Channel, literally all week, 4 p.m., 4 p.m. So also on Friday, we've got the Live Invitational in Jeddah, which is over in Saudi Arabia. Round one will be Friday at 4.15 a.m. on the CW. Then Sat Friday, like Saturday and Sunday is the exact same schedule. So live tour at round two at 4.15 a.m. and Shriners at four on Golf Channel. And then same thing for Sunday. Also this week, NHL is back in action as of tomorrow. The Predators take on the Lightning at 4.30 on ESPN to literally open up the entire NHL season. Then the Blackhawks play at the Penguins at 7 on ESPN and the Kraken at the Golden Knights at 9.30 also on ESPN. Then Wednesday, we've got a couple of games on TNT for a change, kind of like our NBA schedule usually is. Blackhawks at the Bruins at 6.30 and then the Avalanche at the Canucks at 9. Thursday and Friday, you can catch games on Hulu. So the Red Wings at the Devils at 6.30 and then Friday, the Penguins at the Capitals also on six at 6.30 on Hulu. This week, we just have a couple of quick Olympic sports on Saturday. The Gymnastics World Championship highlights will be televised on mainstream NBC. That will be at 11 a.m. And then we've got Rugby World Cup taking place on Saturday and Sunday at noon on NBC. Phew, that wraps it up for me this week. I know it was a longer episode, but just because I'm trying to keep you guys up to date. And like I said, first real big upset week, what felt like it anyway, in college football. And then, of course, with MLB playoffs. It is just a crazy fun time in the sports world. Thanks for tuning in. Check out the blog, The Girlfriend's Guide to Sports, for more. And I'll catch you all next week.